Hi, my name is Michael Frank, and this is the Prefab Pod presented by Prefab Review, where we interview leading people and companies in the prefab and modular housing industry. Today, we're speaking with Jordan Bem of Mo Living, a company that makes a kind of hotel in a box offering. Um, he'll give more information on that uh, using uh, beautiful prefab and modular units. Uh, this is the center of something we're getting a lot of interest in, and that's the convergence of short-term rentals, high-yield real estate assets, and modular. Jordan, thanks for joining. And can you uh, tell us a little bit more about your offering? Uh, thanks for having me, Michael. Um, so my name is Jordan Bem. I'm the co-founder of Mo Living. Mo Living is the first luxury nomadic hospitality solution. You know, it's a lot of words, but what we basically created is the first truly mobile hotel room. Uh, awesome. Um, so what? It, like, can, can you pr- provide some more details on... Uh, what that means when you say first uh, truly mobile hotel room? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of companies, you know, are utilizing prefab today, whether it's utilizing containers or utilizing airstreams or, or whatnot to create hotels. Um, where we believe we position, position ourselves is basically between that mobility space. So the wonderful companies like AutoCamp, the casitas of the world, um, the collective retreats, getaways, and so on. And on the other side, the luxury front, so the Four Seasons, Oman, Six Senses of the world. So that's where we position ourselves. Today, what we've created is a truly mobile hotel room that's supported by a true five-star um, five star operations. Uh, cool. So one of the things that uh, caught my eye when I uh, learned about yours was – uh, you're at least on your website. Um, it shows these kind of very uh, attractive. They look like maybe you can talk talk about this a little more. Kind of one bedroom modular units. Is that right? And is that the sort of standard unit, or is there yeah, so, uh, a variety of different types of units? No. So every footprint is basically the same. Our units are about forty five feet long and twelve feet wide. Um, which makes a big difference compared to all the tiny homes and usual prefabs that we see. So most prefabs are actually eight feet wide um, mm-hmm. or 50% wider. Uh, the inside square footage of our rooms is 399 square feet. Plus we have two uh, exterior decks that are about 120 square feet each. Um, the room that you see online are actually real rooms that we took pictures of. They're not renderings. And the package is basically the same. Every single setup is going to be a 399 square foot setup. What changes from location to location is your FF&E package. So obviously um, your rooms that are going to be positioned by the water or you know, by the beach will have a different interior decor than they would have if they are in the mountains. Got it. That makes sense. Um, and then... Uh... We were talking about this a second ago. You're talking about how this is really um, a joint venture between you and, I guess, the landowners. Can you talk a little bit more about that, who you're trying to appeal to, and uh, just what the value prop is all around? Yeah, absolutely. So our goal is to democratize the hospitality space, both on the development side and on the experience side. So on the development side, what we basically do is we joint venture with landowners. And as we join venture with landowners, 
landowners provide the land. It's a minor, you know, permanent infrastructure in forms of utility hookups or in forms of an existing building on property where we can operate all the FMB out of. And we bring in all the services that are, you know, common to the hospitality space, uh, your reservation systems, your operation, your staffing, your marketing setup, and so on. But instead of providing key money to entice landowners to uh, let us utilize their land, what we do is we bring in our hotel rooms. And then, yeah, so in exchange to that, what we basically do is that on every dollar that comes in, there's a profit split on the bottom line. Got it. I see. So essentially, like the 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 equity that the uh, landowner putting is putting in is essentially the land in that situation. It sounds like correct. So we focus on seasonal markets, and mm-hmm. the real issue of seasonal markets in terms of development uh, is that first of all, development's expensive, and second of all, it's a very short period of time where you can generate profits. So if you're in a location by the beach, could be two, three months out of the year or four months out of the year, for example, markets near New York, which usually is uh, labor, I mean, Memorial Day to Labor Day. So banks are very iffy on providing very large loans to build permanent infrastructure. What we do is since we bring in our hotel keys at Mo Living's cost to the table, if a landowner goes to, um, goes to, to a bank for a senior basically on a uh, on a project. Let's use the example of our first hotel that's gonna be in upstate New York. The permanent infrastructure development plus you know the acquisition of the land and so on roughly represents a $12 million, $13 million development cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so that JV partner went to the bank, asked for a loan on that amount but is showing performance on a project that's actually $24 million because the rest of the money is actually brought in in terms of rooms by Mo Living itself. Got it. Um, that's interesting. So um, I guess uh, as, so what, what are you all looking for um, in terms of, so it sounds like location must be right. Like just like, you know, having enough demand and willingness to pay whatever you know, your sort of daily rates are and have the occupancy necessary to generate revenue to make these JVs kind of work for everyone. Um, so does does that mean, uh, like, yeah, so what are the kind of the metrics and information you're looking for in terms of picking locations? So we can't really tell you too much about the metrics because they're proprietary to the brand, mm-hmm. but uh, you pinpointed it quite well. We're looking for seasonal locations that generate high ADRs and high occupancy and short spurs. Um, so pick and choose, I don't know, market, for example, near New York, the Hamptons, for example, or upstate New York have very high ADRs as well as very high occupancy for periods that are roughly four to five months out of the year. During the rest of the time, we have pieces of land, we will have pieces of land that we JV on that are in opposing markets. So what we'll do during the low season is pick up our rooms from location A, all the excess inventory, and move it to location B. So hotels from both location A and location B will be open year round, but what we basically do is tailor the supply to respond in real time to demand. Got it. And what is, so 
we've so just to for context um for our site i don't know we have hundreds of thousands of visitors a month but then on our sort of concierge service we help tens um of sort of homeowners a month actually get in homes so we have some level of experience moving modules from place to place mm-hmm. and you know getting them set and all that stuff and you know not necessarily at the scale of doing 20 or 50 or however many are in sort of your kind of hotel style um places at a time but the cost isn't totally trivial uh of moving stuff is uh yeah i guess this my sort of question is like how how much of an issue are switching costs because it sounds like you're basically right like so it sort of sounds like your sort of canonical example is right you're gonna have a partner in florida who is going to take your upstate new york units for the you know <laughs> for the winter or, or something like that um yeah is that a like how how big an undertaking is this from both a time and money perspective to like move a bunch of units uh, money, you know, twice yeah, a, money, a year money wise we underwrote a six dollar mile cost mm-hmm. uh seems like for for the moment we're paying on average four dollars a mile yeah uh, to move our units yep. on the undertakings time that's actually know, almost exactly what we see on the, on the residential yeah. side as well yeah so it's um you know, it's just a semi basically coming to pick up our units. Yep. Um, and they hook on directly sort of exactly what you've seen, you know, previously. It hooks on to the to the semi and goes. Uh, so it takes about 15 minutes to basically get it ready to go, unhook the unit from if it's connected to the... Um, and, and are you using like RV style connections on the... Uh, absolutely. On, on all the utilities? Okay. Absolutely. Got it. Um, but in addition to utilizing, you know, RV style connections, it, we can also operate 100% off the grid. Uh, so that makes the process a little bit faster. The only lengthy process is basically taking apart the FFNE package, because obviously your FFNE package of upstate isn't going to be the same one as Florida, for example. Right. Uh, but you're talking about probably, you know, an hour and a half to two hours to actually empty out the unit. Yeah. So one of the things that we've helped people do a lot um, who are doing this subscale, right? You know, like we were working on a really cool project um, right now aimed at uh, like uh, golfers in Palm Springs is sort of uh, kind of design these sort of purpose built ground up modules. Uh, yeah. For like as very sort of specific tailored models. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the sort of design and factory process for your unit so far. I saw you, I think you have job listings for Oklahoma and Texas for your uh, engineering. So I'm, just, I'm guessing maybe you have a factory down there or, or working with a factory. Can you talk about, yeah, just a sort of architecture process and then like, did you, are you using your own factory? Or are you partnering with someone else, et cetera? Yeah, so we, um, so everything we've done in regards to our units is designed in-house. Uh, mm-hmm. So Stephen Chen, who's uh, currently one of our advisors, designed the unit. Uh, basically, every single bolt's been designed by him. The units are then fabricated in Oklahoma with our partner SG Blocks. Huh? Um, so SG Blocks and uh, Mo Living have been you know partners for the past four years. Uh, we build them out there and then uh, ship them basically. So we have partnership with a couple different trucking companies that uh, take care of us. Got it. Um, um, so are you, are the, these are these are not using containers, are they? They're they're just these are just like um, factory built modules, right? 
Correct. So we voted to not utilize containers. It's been I assume because containers are usually done. eight feet wide. So doing the twelves that you talked about would yeah, but you can still cut through the center of a container right, right, right. and make it wider. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we did is we inspired ourselves by the engineering of a container with the four corners and so on, uh, and decided to really tailor make a product specifically for the hospitality space. And what we realized is most of these other companies that utilize tiny homes, containers, and so on, you feel cramped in eight feet wide. Mm-hmm. When you walk into one of our units, you really feel like you're walking into a five-star product. I mean, you walk in, the ceilings are extremely high. Um, the insulation is extremely high. You can't hear anything around you. But as you walk in, there's these beautiful, huge windows. So you're immediately projected to be outside but while having the comfort of five-star around you. Got it. Um, And then I guess one question um, I had is, uh, I'd say like (laughs) we spend a tremendous amount of time with uh, sort of clients trying to navigate, especially on these these, uh, sort of higher-end vacation markets, um, of (laughs) sort of navigating permitting and all that stuff. Uh, Again, these are mostly for residential areas, not commercial areas. Uh, I, t- I guess you've at least done that in New York a little bit um, so far. Uh, how uh, how much of a sort of beast of a task is that given that you're doing something kind of innovative and maybe a little different than probably what's been approved before? Without giving you guys the, the whole secret sauce, what I could tell you is that the undertaking of permitting the first hotel has been huge. Uh, mm-hmm. It took us about two and a half to three years to actually permit it properly. Uh, the beautiful thing from there is that our product is the same and everything's replicable. And today we have a replicable process that's actually a real legal case. So wherever we go, the process is now extremely quick. Got it. And it, it, extremely quick as well, like six months or a year from like the time you start doing stuff or is it faster than that? We can open a hotel in six months today. Got it. That's great. Um, it's unheard of in the hospitality space or construction space because the, the real advantage of not only, you know, developing modular is not only the permitting, but is really the fact that we're building an assembly line. And as we build on an assembly line, we don't have weather delays. We also, at the same time, know exactly how much product is going to be built. So I know that for unit one, I need you know X amount of steel. So my waste is exponentially lower than it would be on a regular job site. So a regular job site for something that's 400 square feet, maybe have, you know, half a dumpster. Uh, Yeah, probably half a dumpster of actually, you know, trash and unused materials versus when we're building in a factory, we know probably be half a trash can. And that's unbelievable. Makes sense. Um, And then in terms of... uh... Maybe you can talk a little bit. So you, you mentioned the upstate New York one. I, I think that's called Hurley House, if uh, the research uh, has been correct. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that project? And uh, yeah, just like the scale and scope of it. 
Uh, sure. So it's actually going to be called Mo Living at Hurley House, but okay. your, your your research is right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the uh, the project is a 55 acre project. There's going to be about 60 rooms, uh, more or less 60 rooms on the uh, on the property. It's going to be a flagship for Mo Living. Uh, it's going to be opening later this year. The project itself. Um, is going to be true five star with uh, FM, full FMB, an amazing eighty feet long pool, three uh, hundred person capacity pavilion, two lakes, uh, miles of trails, you know, really unbelievable piece of land. We're very fortunate to uh, to be launching our product there. And then I guess uh, I guess sort of two more questions. One question I have when I hear all of this is like, it sounds like you guys are bringing a ton of value. Uh, with your offering, uh, why JV? Why not just buy the land too? Is it just it makes it more capital efficient, or are there other um, things that I'm not appreciating? I think uh, t- today it's more capital efficient, and it just matches our growth uh, our growth schedule better. Um, I my previous experiences in the development space, and today I think. If there is an unbelievable piece of land that we absolutely want to be purchasing, maybe we will purchase it. But today we really want to focus on developing the brand itself. You know, the the real value of what we're doing is the intrinsic value of Mo Living is the brand. If you're staying at a Four Seasons, for example, wherever in the world Four Seasons don't own their pieces of land. Right. Uh, but you know it's synonymous to a five-star experience. Same thing with Amon, with Six Senses, with W Hotels even. Wherever you know, you know what to expect. And that's what we want to create at Mo Living um, is this unbelievable experience. So one of the things we, so we get a lot of people to our site who are interested in the idea um, of, you know, making money. They love the idea of, hey, I get to put this beautiful thing on my land. Um, So what you're doing may actually uh, resonate with a lot, like not, you know, at least dozens of people who uh, sort of comment into our site and reach out every month, maybe, maybe thousands. Um, what, uh, so from, from the perspective of sort of a landowner and a potential JV uh, partner for you all, uh, what, is, what is the elevator pitch? Like, are, are we talking about like, yeah, like what are the sort of, like, how do you qua- like qualify the opportunity to them? Like a lot of times people are looking when they come to us, we're talking about like IRRs or cash on cash returns and is like, yeah. How do you sort of describe both the economic and just general opportunity to potential land partners? Well, it, it, we're more on a cash on cash than mm-hmm. IRR because IRR depends specifically on the resale. Yep. Um, cash on cash makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's, most of the people we've dealt with today, and we have a lot of sites that are currently under due diligence um, for actually early 2023 openings. So just be ready to see way more Mo Living sites. That'd be great. The, the, the most important, apart from the economics that we found, is actually finding people that have the same vision as us. Um, and when it comes to vision, it's not only the vision of the property itself, but its respective nature. Um, that's what we found was actually the biggest selling point prior even to discussing economics. 
And as we discuss economics, it's very simple. It's minimum capital going in. You nine out of 10 times already own the piece of land. Right. And maximum capital coming out because we're bringing in a lot of the capital ourselves basically to the table and we're just splitting it on the back end. And is this pretty passive for the like the landowner because it's, you're doing operations? It's 100% passive. Okay, so this is like so <laughs> so I don't know if you I'm sure you know what triple net leases are. This isn't exactly yeah. like that, but like there there's sort of some some similarities in terms of like you own the lease but like Mo- like most of this stuff is actually taken care of by like you, the leasee or operator, et cetera. It's the equivalent of a triple net lease. So just just to give you a little bit of background on myself, yeah. uh, my uh, previous life was development throughout Europe. And that's the only thing we deal in is triple net leases on commercial spaces. Got it. Okay. Um, so so that, that's, um, that's, that's, that's actually aware. helpful in terms of an analogy. Um, yeah, it, been, it, it yeah. is. This has been super uh, helpful to learn about. Uh, just uh, now that we've learned a little about you, one thing we try to do is uh, sort of tap into the expertise of the people we're talking to quickly. Um, it sounds like you have a, a rich investment background. So if you don't mind, um, we're going to do a quick fire round. If po- These are sort of some general questions. Um, if possible to keep your answers to one minute or less, that'd be great, but what, not too much of a stickler on this. Um, I guess uh, sort of question number one is uh, in terms of evaluating sites, for this kind of undertaking what are can you give us like a quick checklist of the kind of things you look for for a uh, a hospitality site to work yeah uh, we look at the comp set usually look at high adrs high occupancy short periods of time so seasonal markets basically and uh and uh, construction cost also when you're when you're looking at adrs a lot of people um in our sort of neck of the world end up using a lot of these Airbnb sites, sort of the air DNAs of the world. Um, for your projects, do you end up just like looking more at like hotel comps or do you look at kind of the short-term rental comps as well? No, we, we of course take a look at air DNA. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually met with them probably about five, six years ago when they were launching it, uh, which is really, yeah. uh, just really neat. Yeah. Um, they, it's crazy how big that company's become. Uh, but the AirDNA makes sense for more um, less rural areas and more city areas, yep. basically more urban areas. We take a look at it because uh, it turns out their appraisers, you know, request it. Mm-hmm. We haven't really found the value in AirDNA specifically, so we look closer to the STR reports than uh, that makes sense than the AirDNA. Um, I guess can you talk about sort of interior design of rooms uh right that's something we get a lot of questions on too like okay so you've got this box how do you fill this out with kind of furniture that strikes the right combo of i guess in your case luxury but also sort of economy on the right operator or owner side like how how have you done that undertaking uh so um i'm a developer and I am non-tier designer, so we actually enlisted the help of a tier designer to uh, to help us. That makes sense. Um, and did you were there like did you have a sense for sort of the features in rooms that guests care most about? Um, this is something we get a lot in terms of a like okay like do like how how important is a hot tub? How important is like an ensuite bathroom in every room, et cetera? Um, so were there? What- 
specific features that you were like, we need to have this, et cetera? So we wanted seamless integration of technology. Um, these are sort of the instructions that we gave to the interior design team is we want the unit to be filled with technology, but the technology to actually not be visible. So for example, our desks have integrated induction chargers. So you put your phone on the desk and the phone charges, or we have, you know, Samsung frame TVs, or we have Devulet speakers, which are very high end. Um, we wanted the wood to feel warm. These are sort of the, the instructions that we gave to the interior design team that came up with an unbelievable, at least to my taste, unbelievable package in the unit. But at the same time, was giving the idea was giving true five-star, almost city-like interiors, but with nature as your party piece. The, the whole concept of Mo Living is I love nature. I love walking around in, in nature, sitting next to a lake, you know, enjoying myself and so on, but I don't want to stay in a tent. The idea is really creating a product for that, is enjoy nature while being in the comfort of what I'm used to. That's great. Um, and then I guess final question, this is not a fire round question, but we ask this to everyone. Um, what are you most excited about for your company or industry in the uh, near future? Honestly, just developing more and more sites and changing the the face of hospitality. I mean, I, I really think that our product and our brand will really revolutionize the seasonal market because we can build cheaper than anyone else. And as we build cheaper means that we can sell our rooms slightly under market value. And if we're selling a room slightly under market value, we're opening up the market to more and more people to be able to come to places that had high barriers of entry prior. So we're just really, we're stoked to, to, to be quite honest with you, to really change the way things currently are. I don't think it's right that places like the Hamptons, for example, are charging $2,000 a night or you're from San Francisco. I don't think it's right that if you're going to Napa that you're paying $2,700 a night. I saw the other day. Um, that makes sense. Uh, we are definitely looking forward to uh, hopefully seeing a lot of Mo Livings pop up and uh, uh, yeah, just seeing, seeing the way this concept develops and uh, hopefully getting to stay in one soon. Um, thanks again, Jordan. Uh, it's been really great learning more about this. For more information about Jordan and Mo Living, uh, moliving.com, I think is the best place. And uh, as always, you can visit us at prefabreview.com. Thanks again. Awesome. Thank you so much.